sometimes you need to hit the pause button as a clinician um, and a researcher and say, hang on, this is what my underlying assumption is. We want to be evidence-based practitioners, but in fact, this is just how we should practice. Ethics is every part of every clinical decision that we make. And what it is that we do is we make lives better. Welcome to Speak Up, the Speech Pathology Australia podcast. This podcast series highlights conversations with esteemed contributors in the speech pathology space. We explore key issues in the profession in a short and easy to listen to format. Let's hear what this week's contributors have to say. Hello, this is Taylor Brown from SPAR's Early Career Reference Group, and I'm here today with Kate Cook, speech pathologist from the University of Canterbury in Christchurch, New Zealand. We're talking about Kate and her team's research into the development of written reflective practice abilities in SLP students. Kia ora, Kate. Kia ora. Thank you for having me, Taylor. Thank you for coming. Um, first, I might get you to briefly um, tell us a bit about your background and some more information about the research. Sure thing. So uh, I trained here at University of Canterbury and then I, my background is actually working in health, uh, working with adults around New Zealand and I also did about a year working in Perth at Fremantle Hospital. Um, wow. Yeah, and then I've been back working here at the University of Canterbury as a clinical educator for I think six years now and a couple of years ago I also started my PhD very part-time um, but the topic is looking at student written reflective practice abilities across the, um, the degree program that we have here. Wow, so you know a lot about reflective practice. Well, I hope to by the end. <laughs> Great. Um, so in essence, your research is looking at how students complete written reflective practice and develop these abilities. Um, yes. How do you see this reflective practice transferring into the workplace? especially for early career speech pathologists? Yes, I think um, the big thing about reflective practice is to remember that it is part of our lifelong learning um, process. So we don't stop reflecting when we graduate. In fact, that's probably when we will lean on our reflective practice skills more. Um, because those are those when we're in those new situations um, where we need to identify and analyze our strengths. We no longer have, say, a clinical educator looking over us, giving us some feedback there. Um, and we also could use reflective practice as a way to um, take care of ourselves, you know, to as a way to um, manage stress or demonstrate coping and some problem solving. So reflective practice groups can be particularly useful for that. Okay, what do you mean by reflective practice groups? Um, well, we have actually done a little study with our um, students here. Uh, we put them into groups instead of um, getting them to write about uh, their clinical interactions and um, we get them to sit in a group with other students, their same, their peers, and um, we get them to talk about uh, a problem or, or something that's happened across the week for their for their clinical placement. Sometimes we give them an article to discuss um, and we really get them to go into that same deep thinking about uh, different experiences they've had, any new understandings or um, any problems that they might have come across. Um, yeah, so those are, our, those are our groups. 
Okay, so that group environment to reflect back to other people and get some feedback. Mm, yeah, yeah. So that in the workplace, that could be really useful to a useful place to take your unusual cases that you might have, for example. Yep. Yeah. Okay. And have you seen or heard of any examples of that in workplaces in New Zealand? What I've seen in New Zealand is that uh, therapists often are involved in um, in journal clubs uh, where they might to get together and discuss from a from a topic point of view. However, that quite quickly does appear to turn into bringing in your own experiences. Yep. Um, I think as well when you're working in a, a multidisciplinary team, that's another opportunity where that informal reflective practice can occur when you're sitting down to talk about your clients. Um, often that's when some people can bring up certain uh, topics for discussion there as well. So it does ha seem to happen more on an informal basis. And that, um, we were talking earlier, that could be, you know, the time pressures that you have when you're starting work. If I said to you, you need to do a reflective practice group for an hour each week, that's probably one of the first things that's going to go by the wayside as your caseload expands. Yeah. And your workload expands. Yeah. Okay. Um, and what kind of feedback have you gotten from your students that you've done these groups or these reflective practice things with? Well, um, we were concerned that uh, students would see reflective practice as busy work. That's what some of the literature tells us, that it can take a lot of time. Um, the study that one of our students did found that students did value reflective practice no matter what situation we put them in, if it was a um, topic discussion or if it was more of a, a freestyle discussion, and they did perceive that they were learning something um, yeah. in those reflective practice groups. Okay, and do you know of any research with um, early career or even just late career speech pathologists in regards to reflective practice? I think there's some new research about to come out from some other students who are doing their PhD um, looking at reflective practice in the workplace. At the moment, a lot of the research for reflective practice uh, in the workplace seems to be coming out of um, nursing and in particularly nurses in specialist care areas such as oncology where they might use reflective practice as a way to deal with um, with those stressful situations or um, dissatisfied patients. Um, yeah, di okay. just the, that those unusual cases or the tricky cases that they might have. Yeah, so it sounds like there's a bit of research out there in other health disciplines, just not necessarily specific to speech pathology. Yeah, yeah, but I think it's coming, yeah. So watch this space. Yes, definitely. Um, now, on placements, which is where a lot of your research has looked, um, clinical educators can be seen to drive reflective practice, which is important to shape the student's skills and encourage them to make changes. But based on your research, how do you see early career speech pathologists continuing to drive their own reflective practice in the workplace? Yeah, that's a really good question because, like I mentioned, I think the minute you start working, you no yeah. longer have an educator telling you 
to you do don't this. Have that pressure to go, I should do the reflections. Yeah, but you have the other pressure of your workload and caseload that you yeah. want to make sure you're getting through, but also doing a really a really good job there. I think from a formal point of view, you could use, um, so a lot of graduates in New Zealand have a, a dedicated supervisor, so you could use your supervision meeting to, yep. um, to be practicing, reflecting with your supervisor there and maybe taking some of your trickier cases there. Mm -hmm. um, but also before you go to those meetings, almost taking yourself through a few stages to um, rather than going just with questions, going with, you know, what was the situations, what emotions were I feeling, why was I feeling this way and maybe what could I do differently. Um, I think as well, um, it's good to not only reflect on what you could do differently, but what you actually did well. That can be a real confidence booster for a new graduate. Um, and perhaps it doesn't always have to be a formal situation like the supervision meeting or a, or a journal club. It could be informally um, a debrief with another a peer, a staff member, or um, yeah, someone else in your office there when you're, if, even if you are trying to make it a little bit more formal by saying, oh, can I just, can I just debrief for five minutes or can I just reflect with you for five minutes? Um, you can still go through that, those same processes there, those same, same stages. Um, and sometimes that can be really handy, like I mentioned, for self-care as, or as a way to close off an, an encounter for you and help yeah. you move on. Okay, so that's that's some good strategies you've got there of using, I guess, the resources you have available to you in your workplace and within your schedule to go, what can I do formally in supervision? What can I do informally with peers, with colleagues to keep that reflective mind frame going? Yeah. Maybe just a written kind of, here's what I did well, what I didn't do well, etc. Yeah, definitely. And I think the other thing that you've just mentioned there is that well we're talking about here is that we actually reflect quite a lot naturally in our practice anyway you know um, when we're reading a file before going seeing to see someone we're going to build some assumptions about them we're going to bring in our theory there what we're really wanting to do well I'd really like people to do when they're starting to starting out in their clinical practice is to keep that uh, reflective practice conscious rather than in the unconscious level so just bringing it to the front for you know five minutes a day it could even be when you're walking down the stairs from one floor to another yeah good idea um, and do you have any tips then for how early career speech pathologists or any clinicians really can help students engage in reflective practice as a clinical educator yeah I think the first thing is to demonstrate reflective practice in action yourself as a um, as an educator, as a supervisor. I think modelling is really important. Um, that can be as basic as a bit of a think aloud. So um, if you're running a session with a student after the session, when you're talking about the session, just using some of those key terms. So, so here I'm reflecting on this or in the midst of that session I noticed this and so I wanted to change that um, and just really using some words around emotions reflection things I do differently I actually think we do this quite well with students but maybe we're not calling it we're not telling them that this is a process of reflection that we're going through yeah okay there's some great tips do you have any kind of 
thing you want to say around written reflective practice? Yeah, I think um, when you are asking your students to provide you with written reflections on placement, one of the most important things to do is to, we know that educators read them, but the most important thing is to actually provide the student with a couple of pieces of feedback about that reflection. So just all it needs to be is one to two comments. It could be about the content they've included. Um, you might be able to add a little bit more information for them. You might be able to add a different perspective there for them or just acknowledge and validate the feelings that they've felt. Or it could be about the process that they've taken. So they might have been able to see something from a different point of view. So just commenting on, I can see you've, you've seen another way that we could look at this problem here. Um, what I know from students and we've got a little bit of research on is that when we provide feedback to students on their work, it lets them know that reflective practice isn't just busy work um, and it does add value to the work that you're asking them to do. Okay, so it's giving value in reflective process and practice. Yeah, yeah. Otherwise, that's when reflective practice and particularly written reflections could be seen as busy work. Yeah, and just another thing they have to do on placement. Yep, another thing to tick off the day. <laughs> yeah, okay. If anyone wanted to find out more about your research or reflective practice, you know, where would you start? Where should you suggest? Um, well, in terms of reflective practice in general, there is a lot of research out there in the nursing and medical realms there. Um, and I think they are really good articles that really show the application uh, to practice from the theory of reflective practice. Um, and if we've got a couple of articles out um, out there. We have one with IJSLP. Um, assessing and developing written reflective practice skills of speech pathology students and we have another one speech language pathology participation in verbal reflective practice groups mm -hmm. um, they can also find me on uh, our university of canterbury website and i am starting to become a little bit more active on twitter so my twitter handle is kj underscore cookie great thanks kate well, thank you so much today for chatting to us, especially from us early career speeches who I know are really enjoying the podcast um, and having this opportunity to hear from fantastic people such as yourself. So, it's been well, great. Th yeah, thank you so much for inviting me. It's such a, such a treat to be on a podcast for once rather than just listening to them. We hope you enjoyed this week's conversation. Remember to subscribe to the podcast and share it with your colleagues. Thank you for listening and bye for now.